Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. SG Extra, only on Money FM 89.3. Yes, this is prime time, and it's time for SG Extra today, where we talk to our colleagues down at the Straits Times to find out the headlines they are following this week into the weekend. And a fresh headline right now: Government agency Sport Singapore will take over the ownership and management of the Singapore Sports Hub from December the 9th, with plans to make it more accessible to the broader community in Singapore. Sports SG says it has reached a mutual agreement with the current operator, Sports Hub Private Limited, to terminate their public-private partnership. So right now we've got Rohit Brinjnath, Assistant Sports Editor and The Straits Time, joining us to tell us more about what's happening here. So Rohit, why is this being done now? So I got a feeling that they just sort of felt that it wasn't working. I mean, it, you know, I think the idea is we built the sports hub that you're going to have a certain amount of events and that it was going to become a really active, vibrant place. So they have had events. We can't say they haven't. You know, I mean, I, I myself have gone to see, you know, Brazil and, you know, the swimmers and, you know, rugby and Serena Williams and, you know, the WTA. But some of the other, it just sort of feels that it hasn't become the center of sporting life, I think, in a way. Mm. And so I think that that's why they have taken it over. I mean, there is no legal um, solution to these things. I think one of the things people have to understand anyway, that it's really difficult to get events these days because there is a lot of competition for them. You know, China, for example, outwinters easily for the WTA tennis finals. Uh, for example, there's this golf series which has just started off, uh, this Live Golf Invitational Series, which is backed by Saudi Arabian money. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, Jack Nicklaus, the great golfer, was offered a hundred billion US dollars to be the face of that uh, circuit. So that's the sort of money that's rolling around in sports. So it's not really easy to get events. Mm. And I think the other thing is that I think also people have to respond. I mean, I think one of the things is that people, you know, uh, when people want to bring events here, they, they need to feel that the public is going to go and watch and that we can fill stadiums. And I think that's very important as well is that, you know, sport is about two things, about people coming, heroes coming, but also us as fans participating in the whole thing. Go ahead. The thing is, the Sports Hub has been mired in controversy off and on ever since it was set up, right? And considering the things that you have told us, what would you say were the mistakes that Sports Hub Private Limited made that resulted in this state of affairs? Look, I don't want to really go into the mistakes because that's not really my area of expertise. But Mm. what I feel that they should have, which is easy for me to say, but what Mm. I feel, and I Mm. wrote about this, I think, seven years ago is, one of the things I feel is that you've got to bring, if if you've got all this infrastructure and you're eventually trying to build a sports culture, and if you want to get people involved, I think the stadiums in some way should have been open to kids. I think what are, yeah, so what, mm-hmm. what I mean by that, and they said today in the press conference that they are going to uh, hope to get, you know, people to play their school rugby finals and, you know, have the school games and school athletics at the stadium. And I think that's very, very important because you want to feel, the public needs to feel a sense of ownership and relationship with the stadium. And that basically, it is a place for heroes, but it is also in a way their own playground. Mm. And I feel that it's, it's, incredibly inspirational for kids to run on the same pitch where their heroes do. And I think that's what they're trying to do and then we decide to, I think, build that area into a more active, vibrant place. You know, maybe food festivals, 
Tai Chi, doing different stuff. So that when you know on the weekend is going to be full of people, you know, like a sort of mini sneakered city. And I think that really is what you're trying to do with a place like that. Rohit, why is uh, a stadium important to a city like Singapore? Well, I mean, you know, I I love stadiums. You know, I mean, I've been going to stadiums all my life. I've been a writer for 36 years on sport, and I think temples. I mean, stadiums are many things. I think you know, they're temples in a way. I think they're museums. I think they are, you know, they're places where, of course, you make money. They are places where you find heroes. It's also, I feel that you know, stadiums are very inclusive places. There are very few places in the world where so many people gather for a noisy, peaceful purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think it really doesn't matter who is next to you. You're cheering for the same team. It, it has there is. I think it also brings nations together. So I think a stadium is a very beautiful place. But it's obviously only when it's full and it's being used. And mm-hmm. I feel in some ways that is obviously. I mean, I don't know how many guys, how many times you guys have been to the national stadium, right? <laughs> I've seen and, it from the outside. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. So if you haven't been many times, then that's not a good thing. It should be something that calls even you guys. And not just for sport. I mean, for concerts or for all sorts of things. It should be a place where we're all sort of streaming to as a sort of routine, as a ritual, sort of every, you know, couple of weekends or whatever. So what really can we expect from Sport SG as they take over? How much better can it really get? What can so they bring I, to the table, in other words? So, yeah, so, I mean, obviously now, uh, as it is in sport, uh, the pressure's on them, you know, which is which is going to be interesting to see. So, mm. because if you say that it wasn't working, then, of course, now you have to deliver. But to be fair, as with, you know, the, 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 the way it was run previously, I think you have to give people a little bit of time, you know, mm-hmm. as anything in sport, if you're trying to build anything great, it takes a little time. But I'm hoping, obviously, I'm hoping for more events. I'm hoping that it's going to be a more exciting place to go to, a more vibrant place to go to, just, you know, all the stuff that's happening around it, people cycling and running and playing beach volleyball and water sports and trees and all that sort of stuff. And I hope, as I said, that I hope kids get to play there because I feel that's incredible. Rohit, I understand that some reporters had actually asked whether this reflects the fact that the public-private partnership model has failed now that we're moving towards this new paradigm. What's your perspective on this? I, 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 don't, I don't think, I think, you know, this is just one thing that has happened in sport per se. Mm. And I don't think that one, it's not my area of expertise anyway, because I'm not a financial reporter. Mm. But, uh, I mean, I, I would think logically, you, you can't take one thing and, you know, sort of read too much into it. So, but I'm pretty sure they must have learned some lessons off it. Right. And considering the lessons they might have learned, what do you foresee might be the most difficult challenges that they might face, really need to prioritize as they take over right now? I think for, 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 for me, I mean, if you're building, you know, they're building so many things there. They, they, they've got a tennis uh, sort of uh, complex coming up uh, next year, which is going to be fantastic. But for me, the, the difficult thing is, I think in sport you don't really you really want one-off events. What you don't mm-hmm. want to do is build a calendar where the same event is coming every year, so that people you know you schedule your sort of entire year towards that. So it's oh June you know these football guys are coming, August you know the tennis guys are coming, and I think that's how basically stadiums really work for people. Singapore is under you have to remember Singapore is under a little disadvantage here. So I was looking at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is the most beautiful ground you can get in Melbourne. Mm. And they are full of events because their own local leagues take up the sport, right? For example, there's Australian Rules Football or what they call footy, which is going on right now. And there are seven footy matches in the stadium this month itself. But we don't have local sport of that level to fill the stadium, right? So that means we must import everything. You know, that is not easy to do. So to build this calendar, they're a big challenge. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that they know that. I think that's going to be something to look forward to, which is obviously not going to be immediate, but it is something that obviously they're going to try to build on as, as quickly as they can. You know, Rohit, when you mentioned the local sporting culture in Australia, it made me think, you know, we've been talking about elevating the sporting culture in Singapore <laughs> for so many years, right? I remember years ago and even today, there are so many programs and issues and especially on radio phone-in shows about what needs to be done in order to get Singaporeans to support the S League and, you know, things like that, what the problems are in that regard. So perhaps your views on where that might go in the coming years, because I know that efforts are being made on the local level, but can we perhaps one day just rely on a local calendar to some extent, of course not fully, but at least to a greater extent than today? I think that's going to take a long time, but I think that's basically the goal. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing for that to be the goal. But I'd say this much, I've been living in uh, Singapore for 15 years now and I definitely can see a big change Mm. in in, in the number of athletes uh, of a certain level that we are producing, right, Uh, who are competitive. The interest there is in sport, in the events they are there, look, these things, we are an academic nation here. Let's be clear, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Just the way we are. And so it, it, I think, you know, for the shift to happen, right, to, to fall in love with sport and to go on the weekends to sport and, you know, to make that part of your daily life, right, or your daily week, that takes a long time. You know, you, you can't build these things overnight. You know, that that is going to, I think, happen. It's happening, but I think it's going to take a very long time. And I think... Everybody has to, I, I'm right, I can see a lot of money being put into Singapore sport. I can see a lot of, you know, events being held. I, see, I can see a lot of enthusiasm. But Well, one would hope for the best outcome for this one, Rohit. Thanks for joining us. Rohit Brijnath is the assistant sports editor at The Straits Times. You're listening to Primetime here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.